Brenda, thank you for sharing that video on why do you pray. We're in the midst of our 21 days of prayer. This is actually our final week in the series we're doing talking about prayer. If you missed any of those days, that's okay. We have a prayer guide at arisedenver.com slash 21 days. You can get a digital copy there and follow along. We're on day 15. We're going to finish up through day 21 this week. And I, I just encourage you, even if you haven't done any days or you've missed days or whatever, just start praying today, and that guide is going to lead you through the Sermon on the Mount and continue to help you grow in your prayer life so that you can see God do some amazing things in your life because God can do more in two seconds than you could do in all of 2022. Okay, that is the reality, and that's what we're talking about in this series. So in this series, Sawyer kicked it off by, by talking about that fact that God's power is way better than our willpower. And we need God's power in our lives. And then last week, we talked about, well, what about when our prayers aren't answered the way we want, and we learn that God's way may not be your way, but it's still the best way. And so that's why we're supposed to pray, God's will be done. But today, we're going to look a little bit beyond our own personal lives, because we need to be praying for our church and for our community and for our world, because God wants our church to be an every nation congregation. Okay? Every nation congregation. So Martin Luther King Jr. once said that it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You heard this before? He said this back in 1963, and sadly, very little has changed. Very little has changed in our country. Right now in our country, 87% of churches, if you went to any worship service around our country, 87% of them would be made up of a congregation that has 80% or more of one specific ethnicity. You guys hear me on that? It's even worse for Protestant churches, and we are Protestant. We are Protestant. We're in that tradition. And that, among Protestants, only 5% of churches are considered diverse, meaning more than 20% of the congregation is from a different ethnicity than the majority one. Okay, do you guys hear me on this? This is sad. I think Martin Luther King Jr. was right that it is appalling, and it's appalling that it's still happening today. Now, I do want to just say the one caveat on there. I know that we all have been to areas of our country that are all very specific of one demographic, right? You go to some towns in the Midwest that are 97% white, okay? If you go to a church there, the church is probably going to be as white as mayonnaise, right? Let's just be honest, okay? That's just going to be how it is. Like, we realize that there are some churches like that in some areas, but that is not how Denver it is, is it? right? Our city is diverse. Our city is made up of people from many different nations, ethnicities, skin tones, that speak different languages. And therefore, our church should represent that. That we should be in every nation congregation because that's how heaven is going to be. Okay? That's what we're going to learn today. And we're going to learn first to pray for that. And as we pray for it, we begin to seek it and God willing, it will be here on earth as it is in heaven, right? So that's what we're going to see in this series. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get to um, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer one time, and then we're going to jump into um, Revelation chapter 7. If you have a, a phone, you can use the YouVersion Bible app. And if you find that app on the bottom right-hand corner, it has a button that says more. Then you can go to events. You can find our Arise Church Denver event. You can find that every single week. It has the scriptures. It has a place for you to take notes. So you can just save that on your phone, and you have that every single week. And you'll see all the different scriptures we're going to reference today. But we're going to start out in the Lord's Prayer. And as we've been doing in this series, we're going to pray this together. I know that we all come from different traditions and backgrounds. We may say the prayer a little bit differently. We're just going to read it 
straight from, from Matthew chapter 6. So would you guys say this prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're really focusing in this prayer on that line where Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to pray. We're praying for God's kingdom power to be in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. We're also praying that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But today we're going to look at this one aspect of heaven that we get to see in the book of Revelation of what it's like. And we're going to pray and seek that here in our congregation at Arise Church Denver, our church is like heaven. And I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. So the book of Revelation is awesome. I should have announced that I'm preaching through Revelation and this place would have been packed, right? Everybody's like, what the heck's going to happen at the end? It's a crazy book, and it's crazier even than you think. But there's this section of Revelation here in, in chapters basically four through this part that, that John, who's one of the 12 disciples, gets this vision from Jesus about what heaven's going to be like. He's looking at the end, what it's all going to be like, and, and here we're going to pick this up in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, did you guys read that? Every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We're going to stop there. We're going to keep reading through verse 10 in a minute. But I just want you to see right there, there's this vision. A ton of people. A huge crowd of people. See, God wants heaven to be crowded. There's not enough people yet. And there's this huge multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. It's so interesting that it starts out by saying there's this great multitude that no one could count. This means John's probably witnessing billions, maybe trillions of people, I don't know, that are all there worshiping together in heaven. There's a great multitude. This is because God loves people, and he wants to save people, and he wants heaven to be crowded he wants every single one of us to have a knowing and loving relationship with him so that we will be in heaven with him. That's what God longs for, and that's what we long for, these great multitudes. So I want to start there. And so if you're thinking of this great multitude, how are there so many people there? Well, it's because it's every person who's ever believed in Jesus Christ from the beginning. So we're talking about 2,000 plus years, right? 2,000 years plus uh, all the people who are alive today. So there's 2.4 billion people right now who claim the name of Christ, plus everyone who's died before them in the name of Christ, right? That's a lot of people. And we don't know when Jesus is coming back. There might be billions more that accept Jesus as Lord and Savior before then. It's no problem for God. He's God. He knows how to make enough space. Don't worry. There's not going to be like a scarcity of resources, okay? There's going to be enough room for everybody. But that's this vision, a great multitude that no one could count. And I say this because our mission here is to help people follow Jesus, to find that saving relationship with Jesus and have their lives transformed now and have heaven later. And we want more and more people to know Jesus so that they can be in heaven. I'm saying this because we celebrate that 
big time here in our church. We celebrate every time someone makes a decision to follow Jesus. In fact, this last Sunday we celebrated that in the course of 2021, 65 people made a declaration that they wanted to follow Jesus in our church. Yeah, we, we celebrate that. We're so excited and we're hoping in 2022 we see more than 65 people make that decision. And I've gotten some criticism and that, that we talk about numbers too much. Okay, I get that. Why do we talk about numbers so much? Why are you so focused on the numbers? Well, here's the reason. It's because God cares about the numbers. Did you know that when Jesus was here, he counted that there were 4,000 people he fed and 5,000 people he fed, and he counted his 12 disciples? And then when the church just started, Peter gave this great message in the book of Acts, and 3,000 people came to faith. They counted. Did you notice that? And then 5,000 people came to faith later in Acts. They counted. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. I don't know if you knew this. Okay, God cares about the numbers, and the reason why he cares is because every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story deserves a sequel. Okay, so we're going to keep counting here in our church until we can't count them anymore. You guys with me on that? Until it's uncountable because there's so many people. That's why we're going to keep counting because we count it and we celebrate it together. And this is what we long for, this great multitude in heaven. That's why we want to see heaven here on earth. And that great multitude in heaven, as we see in verse 9, is made up of people, like it said, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. These are four different references to the different groups of people that are there in heaven. I really did some studying to figure out like which one refers to which, and it's kind of blurry, okay? There's nations, then there's tribes, then there's people groups, then there's languages. It's not super clear about what represents what. Like, would we say like, oh, in this demographic category? We all have different demographic categories, right? What the point of this passage of Revelation is that it's all of them. It says every nation. This means from every single people group, every single nation, every single language group, there are people there represented in heaven. And this is amazing. It's not just a few. It's not just a few that have good food or the few people that live in the Western world. No, it's all people, right? Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group is there in heaven. And this is so important to see. Uh, these differences between the people, whether it's their skin color or the, the ethnicity that they are, the nation of origin, the language they speak, the accent they have, the people group. We have a lot of different people groups here in our country, don't we? And they're all going to be represented in heaven. That's amazing, right? Every single group has a representative in heaven. And that's what God longs for. This is the vision of what it's supposed to be like and going to be like one day. This phrase, um, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, that, that has the, the four different groups, nation, tribe, people, language, it actually occurs five different times in the book of Revelation with all four of those, meaning it's a big deal for what heaven's going to be like. Plus, there's another two references in the book of Revelation that has a, a few of those four references. So this is a really big deal about what heaven is going to be like, representative of all these different people groups, all these different nations, all these different languages. They're all going to be there. And I'm saying that because that's what we're supposed to seek now. We're supposed to pray for it now. We're supposed to seek it now and long for it now and, and do what we can to make it happen now. And this is important to us because a lot of people in our country believe this absurd lie that Christianity is the white man's religion. It's absurd because Jesus wasn't white. Okay? And if you look at the history of Christianity, it is unlike every single other religion in the world that it actually started and moved all around the globe. 
Most all religions have one central location that is the center of their religion, and everybody kind of goes to that one place. Not so Christianity. Christianity started in Israel, it started in Jerusalem, but then it spread north to Turkey. Then it spread west into Rome and Italy, and then into Western Europe, and up into England, then over into the United States, and the center of Christianity has changed, and it's changed again. I don't know if you know this, but if you were to take 100 Christians in the world, just to imagine those 2.4 billion Christians, and you were to, to break them down into 100 different Christians, there would only be 11 from the United States. Did you know that? Only 11 from the United States. And if you looked around to, and, and said, okay, what about not including the United States or Europe? There would be 63 Christians from the rest of the world. Do you guys get that? Christianity is not a Western religion anymore. It's a worldwide, global faith. And it's the same thing with languages. If you were to take 100 uh, Christians from around the world, 10 of them would speak English. One-tenth. 16 would speak Spanish. There are more Spanish-speaking Christians than there are English-speaking Christians. Okay? That's what it is right now today. And it's becoming more and more diverse every single year. And this is important for us here in Denver because Denver is a very diverse city. I try to do a lot of research on this. And here in the city of Denver, 14.5% of our city comes from a different nation of origin than the United States. 14.5% of our city is from a different country. If you look in Aurora, it's even more diverse. Almost 20% of the city of Aurora is from a different nation. And they're all here. That means there are 233,000 people within our vicinity in the city of Denver and the city of Aurora that are from a different country. We don't even have to leave the city of Denver to reach the nations. Isn't that amazing? They are here. And we are supposed to pray that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ, but we're also supposed to go and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Did you know in Matthew 28... Jesus gave these last second instructions before he entered into heaven, okay? He was here on the earth. He's like, I got to tell you one more thing before I go. Do this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of who? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're commanded, okay? This means diversity isn't just a political push. It's a command from Christ. You guys see this? It's not a political thing. This is a biblical thing. It's a mandate. We must reach every nation, and we can do that right here in Denver. Here in Denver, or in the city of Aurora, there are almost 160 languages represented in the city of Aurora. In the Denver metro area, 25% of our city speaks a language other than English. The nations are here. The languages are here. The people are here. And we are commanded and we are sent to reach them. And that's why I want us as a church to be an every nation congregation so that we can be a foretaste of heaven. We see that ahead. Let's make it happen now. Let's make it happen now. We're not supposed to wait till the end. Oh, someday it'll be great when we can break down all our barriers and we won't have to be offending each other and we can all... No, no, no. It's supposed to be now. We're supposed to seek that and long for it now. There's an amazing thing in this verse. If you look back in, in Revelation 7, 9, the second half of the verse says this. It says that they were wearing white robes 
if we can jump there. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. There's this whole group of people, from, huge multitude, nobody can count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they're wearing white robes. Why are they wearing white? Because it's a symbol of being forgiven. All their sins are washed away. Okay? These are people with all sorts of different skin tones, and every single one of them has had their sins forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. You guys see this? They are united around Jesus Christ and what he has done for them. Because Jesus Christ did die for them. If you jump back just two chapters, in Revelation chapter 5, there's another vision of heaven. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says that they sang a new song. We have that verse. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy because you were slain, Jesus, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from what? Every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus died for all peoples, for every nation. They're going to be in heaven. So let's reach them now. Let's have them in our congregation now. People that look different from us, that speak different, that have a different accent than us. That wear different clothes. Because one day we'll all be wearing those white robes together, right? And it also says what's in their hand. This is fascinating. It says that they have palm branches. Now, I'm, I'm hopeful that this means it's a tropical climate. <laughs> That's what I'm hopeful for. But, but <laughs> the palm branches were actually a symbol of victory in both Jewish culture and in the Greco-Roman culture. They would wave palm branches at the games when there was a victory crowd, okay? This is a victory parade that's going on right now. Everybody's stoked, not because the Broncos won, but because Jesus won. Jesus won. They're, they're waving the palm branches. We have victory. Jesus conquered over death. He conquered over sin. He conquered over Satan. But there's another thing that Jesus conquered over on the cross. Do you know what it is? Our differences. Did you guys know that this was part of what Jesus died for? To bring peace and unity from all the divisions in our world? It says this in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, we read that Christ himself is our peace. He made both Jewish people and those who are not Jews, one people. They were separated as if there was a wall between them. But Christ broke down that wall of hate by giving his own body. Jesus died to unite us, though we are different. And I think this is so important because we have differences and it gets really hard. Doesn't it? Isn't it tricky sometimes when we have differences with our ethnicities or the languages we speak or the colors of our skin? It can cause conflict. We can say things and we can ask questions that offend other people. Have you ever done that? I have. I've said stupid things. I'm up here every week talking too much. I apologize ahead of time. I'm working on it, but I know I have said things that have offended people. I've asked questions that were inappropriate. And I think we all do that because we see things through the lens that we have grown up in, right? And we're used to a certain way. I honestly think that a lot of racism happens because we just focus on ourselves and people that look like us. We do, and we just naturally gravitate towards spending time with those people, hanging out with those people, and because of that, we neglect and hurt sometimes people that look different than us, that talk different than us. It's hard sometimes to understand someone who has an accent that's thick, so we don't even try. And it causes this conflict, and it can even lead to hate. Now, I think this is really important here in Denver, too. I don't know if you guys saw this, but in 2020, where they have the, lead, the, the, the last report on this, 
the FBI reported that it was the highest number of hate crime incidents in the last 30 years here in Denver. Hate incidents are up, and they've been up for three years in a row to their highest level ever. There is conflict, hatred, racism, ethnocentrism here in our city. But we as a church must be different because Jesus died for all people, and he died to give us victory over those conflicts and those things that separate us, to bring us together as one in the name of Jesus. That's what we have victory over. We're celebrating all those things. And in heaven, we're going to be celebrating that together. Isn't it amazing we're going to be in heaven that we can celebrate even though we do come from different nations of origin, that we do speak different languages, that we eat different food. Man, it's going to be good to eat all those different foods in heaven, right? It's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. And we can do it now, right? We can strive for that now. We can pray for it and seek after it now because we are commanded to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why I want us to be in every nation congregation. Look at verse 10 of this passage. All this huge crowd, they're all gathering around Jesus, and it says in verse 10, and they cried out in a loud voice. Loud! They're getting loud! They're excited! Victory! Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They're all chanting this together, celebrating together, worshiping together. God himself and his son, Jesus Christ, who is the lamb. That's what unites all these different people. Man, our politics divide us. Our preferences divide us. Our looks can divide us. And all these different things divide us here and now. But Jesus brings us all together. He died for all of us. And that's why. Nobody here is going to be standing around and, and, and worshiping the elephant or the donkey. We're going to worship the lamb, right? Together, with one voice, in unity, with a loud voice. That's what heaven's going to look like, and that's what earth should look like as well. That's what a rise church should look like as well. I want us to reflect heaven, to be in every nation congregation. And I'm saying this, I, I think we're, we're doing okay on some of these things. I, I hope we're doing okay, but I know we got a long ways to go as a church, don't we? We got a long ways to go. We got a long ways to go to reach all the people around us. We're, we're doing some cool things getting started, but man, we've got a long ways to go. And I hope that as a church we can get on board with this vision because it's a heavenly vision, right? It's a biblical vision. It's the vision God gave to John so that we in turn could see it. And we can imagine ourselves there in heaven about how beautiful and amazing it will be to celebrate and have no more barriers, no more hostility, no more hate, but instead love for Jesus Christ and one another. And we can look at that and pray for it, long for it, seek after it, and do things here and now to make it happen on earth as it is in heaven, to be in every nation congregation. So I have four things that I want us to do as a church moving forward, four steps. Some of them we're already starting to do, but we've got to do them better. Okay, Here's four things that I think we need to do as a church if we want to be in every nation congregation. And the first is, is very simple. It's to bless our neighbors. To bless our neighbors. To love them and to bless them. Because all the nations are here already. <laughs> or a lot of them, right? Let's just bless the neighbors that we have. The people that literally live next door to us or are in the next cubicle next to us or who work out with us. Right? They're our neighbors. Let's bless them. Let's love them. Um, 
Bless actually is an acronym, and we're going to do a series on it later this year, because bless, it means to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat with one another, to serve, and then to share our story about Jesus. The eat is important. I remember talking to someone in our church, said they've been coming to our church for several years, and nobody from a different ethnicity has invited them into their house for a meal. That shouldn't happen in our church, right? We should eat meals with each other. We should um, bless each other. We should love each other. And it starts by loving our neighbors because the nations are here. People from all over the world are here. Let's bless them. I think that's where we need to start out, right? Bless our neighbors. And the second thing that we need to do is to be a welcoming church. Now, I hope we already are in a welcoming church, but we need to really push into this so that anyone who steps foot in this facility or, or joins us online feels welcome. This means that we've got to go out of our way because we gravitate towards our friend group, the people that we know. And we have to go out of our way to find people who are different from us and to make sure they feel welcome here. We have a great welcome team here, but I want to tell you guys this. Every single person in our church is a greeter. <laughs> Did you know that? You all are greeters. You're all inviters too. We send out mailers and we invite people to church on social media, but every single one here needs to invite people into church. Because how can we reach the nations unless we're loving them and inviting them in? So we've got to be a welcoming church. This also means we have to deliberately make ministry for people that are different than us. We've started to do this. If you ever come to the 9 a.m. service, we have an ASL interpreter for American Sign Language. And that's great because we want to reach people that can't speak, can't listen to, to what we're saying. So we want to reach those. Um, and, and I'm already making some mistakes with that when I tell people to close their eyes. I have to say, close your eyes if you're able now, okay? I've, I've, I've learned that because I'm making that mistake. <laughs> I'm learning about this stuff. We have an ASL interpreter, but well, why don't we have a Spanish interpreter as well? We've got to work on that. We've we got to be even more welcoming to the people that are different than us. We all have to step out and be a more welcoming church. That means we have to have people serving in our church that look different than us and talk differently than us. We have to have those people on the stage. We have to have those people in leadership as well. We need to be a welcoming church all the way around. The third thing that we need to do as a church is to embrace global outreach. We're already doing some local outreach stuff, but we need to embrace it to, to make it happen even more. Sam Fisher, who's come on now as our worship director, he's, he's doing an awesome job, isn't he? I, I love him. But he's, he's also going to be overseeing our outreach ministries here, and he's going to take some of the stuff we're doing and, and make it better, and then he's going to be adding some new stuff. But I'm saying it's global because we don't have to always go to Estonia or Mexico or North Africa to, to reach the nations. We can do it here. We're already starting to do this with some of our partners, like Denver Rescue Mission. We're, we're taking in a local refugee family from um, East Asia. And how can we, or Southeast Asia, how can we serve those now? We're already starting to do that. We got reached out to this last week from a friend of mine saying, hey, there's 20 Afghanistan refugee families that are coming to the city. Could you guys help as a church? They're coming here, okay? We can reach them here. That's global ministry. We don't even have to leave our zip code, right? So how can we do this and pour in more and more into it? We do partner with a Spanish-speaking church, Vida, um, that meets here in the afternoons, which is awesome. We love that. But, but how could we as a congregation do even more for those who speak Spanish? Uh, we, we've got to do more, and we've got to embrace that global outreach. Um, so that's the third thing. And the fourth thing that we need to do as a church is to, yes, go globally, we do need to leave our zip code, and we do need to go around the world. So the fourth thing is to go globally. 
And we have what we call go teams, global outreach teams that are short-term teams. You go for about a week or 10 days or around that time frame. Right now, we send out two teams every year to Mexico and to Estonia. You can go this summer, give up your vacation. It's going to be worth it. People are always like, it's a lot of time. It's a, it's a lot of money. It's worth every single dollar because you will help people there. But one of the most amazing things is it transforms you when you go. It really does. Who in here has been on a short-term mission trip? We have a, a few hands coming. It, it changes your, your entire perspective on the world. It's worth every dollar you spend to go over there because you realize it. And then, and then maybe you'll be like Beth Ann and go over there and like, I got to stay. <laughs> there's, there's too much stuff to do. Uh, we we got to go. And that's why we um, not only want you physically to go globally, but we've got to send people from our church. Like we've sent Beth Ann Erickson, like we've sent um, um, Kenton and Aaron to North Africa. Um, and we've got to keep doing that. Send our best and brightest. I mean, Kenton was an elder in our church. He would preach sometimes. Man, he's gone now. <laughs> I miss him. And, and, but, but we're giving our best to go globally to reach the nations around the world. Um, a, a lot of um, people who study missionaries, missiologists, they say that it's possible that within our lifetimes, depending on how old you are, within our lifetimes, we could reach every single people group on the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our lifetime is the first lifetime that that's possible in. We could do it, but we've got to go globally. We've got to support missionaries financially. We've got to send out church planters. We're sending a church planter. Um, we're, we're supporting a church planter you'll hear from in a few weeks that are in Salt Lake City, Utah, because it's one of the unreached places in our world, right next door in Utah. Did you know that? There's very few people who know Jesus Christ and, and the true gospel that is found in the Bible. But we have the Hendersons who, who are there that we're supporting financially to go do that. We've got to go globally if we really want to be in every nation congregation. And that's what I long for. That's what I think we're supposed to long for with the heavenly vision we have. So are you guys going to be on board to join me with this? Yeah, yeah. okay. I hope that you guys will be on board because I can just imagine. I mean, we already sometimes get tastes of it, but I can just imagine this place being packed out with the multitude, right? And, and we're looking to the left and the right, and we see people that have different skin tones, different hair, they're wearing different clothes. You hear them singing and their accent's different than yours. They speak a different language. But you know those people. You love them. They're your friends. You hang out with them. They're in your community group. That we would see here in the baptisms waters, we'd see people that were former Muslims, people from around the world, former atheists, all getting baptized in the same water. The CEOs and former homeless people are sharing the water together because we're a congregation that welcomes in all people, that loves all people, and that reaches every nation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, that's what I want, and I hope you long for that too. I can just imagine happening that here, and it will be so amazing to be a part of it, that we can here in Denver at Arise Church get a foretaste of what heaven's gonna be like. Not just read it in the Bible, not just hope that one day heaven will be like that, but see it here and now, that we truly could be in every nation congregation. So I want you guys to stand right now. Um, Sam and the band are going to lead us in an oldie but goodie song. It's just a great song that we can focus on how we, from every 